Greetings and salutations, nerds. You're listening to Praying for Superpowers, a podcast about the deeper meanings, messages, and intricacies hidden within nerd culture. I'm Peter Jordahl. And I'm Trevor Sharon. And today we're talking about Brandon Sanderson's story, Sixth of the Dusk. I really love this short story. Yes. And I love it for so many different reasons. Uh, we'll give, we're going to give you a quick, uh, I'm going to give you a one minute synopsis of this story. So the main character, his name is Sixth of the Dusk or Dusk for short. He is a trapper who lives on a pantheon of islands, an archipelago kind of like, uh, the Eastern Asian Pacific islands. He goes to the islands to trap rare birds like parrots and hatch eggs and bring them back to market to sell. He is met by Vati, who is a, she works for a company that is trying to tame the islands to capture the AVR, raise them in captivity so they can make more money. They are using technology from people known as the ones above, who uh, based on their technology and other phrases are aliens to this planet. And uh, throughout it, what happens is they get tangled up in a mess. They figure out through what we'll talk about later that the world is going to end if something happens. And so they set out to stop that from happening. And at the end, Dusk ends up joining forces with Vati, throwing away his beliefs almost in an attempt to save the world he loves. Something that's really cool about this story is how quiet it is. And I, and it's hard to explain what I mean by that. Um, so as some of you may have picked up, I really hate the book Heart of Darkness. Because in my mind, reading it in high school, it was man gets on boat, man thinks about life, man gets off boat. Uh, There's more action in this story, but the silence that you're supposed to experience literarily in Heart of Darkness, I think, is in Sixth of the Dusk. uh, Because there's just there's a lot of quietness, not just in words, but in atmosphere and uh, in stealth moments where Sanderson explains the quietness of trying to be still yeah and then he explains the noise around you and it changes yeah your your view of silence uh so the main character we open up and he's in a boat in the middle of the ocean well it's like an archipelago so it's groups of islands yeah. so he's inside of land but he's still like in a canoe in the ocean uh and brandon sanderson is a huge fan of the Eastern Asian Pacific Island culture. Mm -hmm. He loves the idea of wayfinding. So you can look at uh, Rock in the Stormlight Archive as an example of this. This story is specifically uh, that culture. Um, Literally, that culture just translated into a fantasy realm. And I love that. Um, But yeah, he's sitting on his boat in silence. And just enjoying the silence is how the book opens. Yeah, And so he... Sanderson just pulls on the archetype of the ranger and does it so well. Cause I think a lot of the times, like, so in Lord of the Rings, we see Aragorn as a ranger, but he's immediately thrust into a group of people uh, and takes lead and he's a leader. And you find out that he wasn't supposed to be in isolation anyways, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. In this, the rangers don't even talk to each other. They yeah. avoid each other. They actually try to kill each other. Yeah. So, yeah, the trappers, as they're called, they'll never, if they see each other in person, they'll both turn around and go the other way. Like, that's their rule. 
Um, but they'll set traps with poison darts and rope traps and things that'll just kill you, kill you dead. The isolation is, is, and that's such an integral part of the ranger archetype that I think is done really well in this. Also, real quickly, the naming structure of trappers is so cool. Yeah. Uh, and and this, I'm not going to get into that one section. Okay. But the way that they name is it's the order of which you were born in the family. And then the time of the day. The time of day you were born. Right. So you could be fifth of the night. Or first of dawn. Or second of twilight. Which is they're just so cool. <laughs> yeah. And so his name is Sixth of the Dusk. Originally, the reason Brandon did that is he wanted a character named Sixth. Uh, and then he, he says in Arcanum Unbounded that his beta readers found it too confusing. Uh, and so he yielded to the uh, reviews he was getting, which I really appreciate yeah. as a reader, uh, and changed his name to Dusk. Uh, so he's Six of the Dusk, known as Dusk. Yeah. And it's just a really cool way to name things. Like, there are definitely going to be several D&D characters that get this kind of this name. This kind of name, yeah. Uh, and follow this ranger archetype, because I think it's brilliantly done. Another really cool thing that I like, that you can maybe speak to, Peter, is how silence and quietness, stillness is almost a character. Yeah, I love that. I love how he... So the, the character Dusk says in his mind, like in his thoughts a couple times, words. He, like he just, he says the word words. And then the writing after that is, he was never good with words. And that could be all he says for three or four pages, um, which is really cool. But when Vati, the female island exploring scribe, comes to him she can she she gibbers and jabbers on and so she continues to break the silence and it's almost like his friend is being violated like mm. like you are breaking all of this trust and all of these rules uh and he actually like feels for the silence almost it's like an awkward social interaction because somebody is talking really loud and inappropriately using uh, inappropriate language in front of your a group of judges, a priest, a rabbi in a library. Yeah, that and 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 you feel that awkwardness. And yeah. what I really liked was I walked away from this story feeling as if I needed to be quiet mm-hmm. and observe the environment around me. And he does a really good job uh, uh, in this book and in uh, Silence in the Forest of Hell uh, of. Making the environment uh, really dynamic, you mm. enter into the world and you you start to learn like where the traps are. And so as Dusk gets a little careless in his hurry, you're like, oh no, you gotta watch out for traps. You can't you can't move this fast. You can't make this much noise. You have to do it this way. Because uh, you're like you're in aware of the environment. He explains it to you in a way that you're aware. And one thing I love that he does. So there's a lot of islands on the Pantheon, and he's on Patchy, which is the father, is what they call it. It's the biggest island. It's the only one, I think, with a lake, or the only one with a mountain. There's something specific about it like that. The biggest thing about Patchy in this story is it is a character. Uh, Mm -hmm. He constantly has a conversation with it. He says, Patchy, why would you do this? Patchy, we're your priests. Um, and he like prays to Patchy and then he curses Patchy. And it's really interesting to see it as a character in personification. And as the story unfolds, you recognize 
that it actually is alive in some way. Mm-hmm. And in the Cosmere, we understand that it's it's investiture. There's a splinter of a god on this island, um, and or of something like like it's survival. It's it's got it maybe okay. This is this is just this is again maybe it's survival's island because the whole purpose of Patchy at the end of the story is for the trappers to learn how to survive. That is his whole goal. The island is teaching them how to survive as it unfolds. You know, it takes away from my idea. And I didn't tell you this before. I'm sorry. Uh, the internet completely disagrees with you. Oh, he, really? He has said Kelsier is not uh, a shard. So his theory was that <sighs> Kelsier was lost. a shard of Adonalsium, that he was survival, hidden in human form. Uh, the forums and a lot of the people uh, who are highly ranked on the forums were... Uh, Fair enough, I can accept that. And I can also accept that maybe the investiture in Six of the Dusk is survival. It would make sense, and it's very clear, because it's all about survival Survival. and um, being the best at surviving in the midst of this world. And Dusk even talks about this a lot in the beginning of the book. Like There are a lot of people from towns and cities who would die immediately as soon as they enter into a forest. Before they even got to the forest, they'd die on the shore. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's how the book opens. And so I think that makes a lot of sense. That's really interesting. Um, another aspect that you uh, pointed out before we started recording that I think is really interesting is the bird mm. being a character, but a silent character. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll come back to the magic system, but there there are three birds. You really only get to know two. Get to know a bird. Think about that. Uh, Coker Lee and Sack. And Sack, from the writing, is basically um, a green macaw, is is our, if you want to pick a bird from our planet, uh, or that's Cokerly, and then Sack is a raven. And so he has these two birds, and they, like Brandon will write that he chirped apologetically. He <laughs> chirped excitedly. <laughs> he chirped wor- worriedly. He chirped as if he was singing with friends and the other and he has no idea how uncomfortable the other birds are that he's sitting on the branch with him singing. Like <laughs> it's like the Pixar short for the birds, that big blue guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's how Coker Lee is kind of in this. And it's so cool to see an animal. Um, whereas in a lot of Sanderson novels, the animals don't even if they have sentience, they they're never talked about as if they do. And these birds are are Dusk's only friends. And he talks about them and understands them like people. That being said, most bird species live to be like 200 years old. Most parrots. And they're remarkably intelligent. Um, Ravens are said to be the most intelligent bird species. And can sometimes learn how to speak better than parrots if they're in captivity. Yeah. So um, look up some videos of parrots talking if it won't freak you out. Freaked me out, but I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it's equally frightening and disturbing and super cool yeah which i think adds to the environment of this book because if you really think about it like i know (laughs) i'm gonna throw one of our friends under the bus uh andrew bowman of bad spark designs who made our logo for this uh is deathly afraid of little birds and it took me a long time to understand that uh but if you've ever been in a situation where a bird has been flying at you 
it makes a little bit more sense. It's kind of scary because they have so much mobility. Uh, we grew up with stories about ravens picking out our eyeballs. Yeah, yeah blackbirds coming out of the pie. Yeah. Cinderella. Birds can be pretty frightening. They carry the bird flu. At least yeah. that's my understanding that's of it. That's my understanding of the word bird and the word flu. So. Um, and then looking at, um, I mean, I was just thinking about Australia or yeah. Australia and all the animals there that try to kill the magpies. Oh, yeah. I constantly see online people who live in Australia. That's their biggest complaint. <laughs> not the giant spiders, not the scorpions. Not the super muscular kangaroos. Right. Not the koalas that have enough strength to rip your arm off at the socket. Or poison elbows. Right. Not platypuses with clawed feet that are poisonous, but they have bills and lay eggs, but they're mammals. And they there are a fur. lot of really dangerous animals. Right. Their least favorite thing is magpies because they just dive bomb you if you're anywhere near their nest. And they will build their nests on your door if you're not careful. Like if you have a wreath on your door, they'll build a nest in it and then you can't go home. <laughs> so <laughs> birds can be really scary. And... And they are, and they in are dusk. in dusk because uh, that's the magic system uh, in this book is uh, symbiosis through having a pet or a, uh, a friend bird. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that it can just be your pet because not, it'd be really interesting if he made it that you have to be friends with him because then only nice people could have the powers. But that's not, but that's not something I'd see Sanderson doing. So no. I'm assuming all of these birds are they all give different powers, right? Maybe it's like Spren and the uh, um, Parshendi. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like there's some sort of ritualistic binding of the two that can be broken um, mm. or lost, but there is some path to getting it. And, and we see that you can have multiple too. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Yeah, so um, um, Dusk uses two, right? Two different powers at once. And then um, the uh, his, he says his uncle used four, and his uncle's the one who trained him. So four at once apparently takes a lot of skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really understand. I would assume taking care of four birds at once would be difficult in and of itself. Right. But if, it is, if it's more difficult to use the magic system, that doesn't seem like the case because it seems like a passive magic system. Yeah. So Cokerly, oh, one thing that's interesting is animals in this world see other minds with their mind. So they have like a mind sense. They know something is nearby because they can sense its mind. And yeah. a lot of animals, you can just use telepathy at random. He, he talks to these little mice just with telepathy at random. Like it, it's not something special that happens. It's just an ability everyone has that we're aware of. This is a really short book. Yeah. There's not a lot of information that we have to go off of. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we come back in a while when we see more of Six of the Dusk, uh, which I think we've been promised. We've been promised. It's the most forward in the Cosmere. It's the furthest along timeline of any book. And I believe that the future race in the clouds is the Mistborn third trilogy. Yeah. So do you really think they heard that? In case you yeah. didn't... Oh, they heard yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you heard that. Okay. Yeah, so you heard that. I'm whispering it conspiratorially, even though I don't need to. Yeah. But it's... I mean, to me, that's a good theory. Flight, space travel. Sanderson has promised us the third Mistborn trilogy is going to be a space odyssey. Which is so cool. So the ones above, technologically advanced, yep, would make sense to me. 
we already see some air travel in the second of trilogy morning. of Mistborn. Yeah, so it makes sense to me. Yeah. The reason birds are scary in this book are two main reasons. So there's Sack, right, the raven. So the important thing about Sack is he's from the mainland. He's a mainland bird. Yep. He gets brought to the island as a chick. He gains a power that no other bird has. Oh, yeah. And then he he pa- he passes on that power to whoever is uh, used bonded with him at the moment. Uh, and so what he does is he shows possible deaths to Dusk. So if you think it would be creepy to look around and see your own dead body in random places throughout the day, like your own body dead on the side of the road as you're driving to work, oh, I could have had a car crash here and died, apparently, then yeah, it's pretty creepy. It would, it's such a cool power. Yeah. It is so cool. Limited foresight, almost. Yeah. And um, so he discovers traps because he sees his dead body right next to a trap. Right. Or he'll he'll come across... A poisonous dart or something like that. A bug. Or a bug. And then 20 feet off, he sees his dead body puffed up because of the poison or something. It's just so cool. Yeah, it's really a unique magic system. Again, one of our favorite things about Sanderson. And uh, oh, uh, those are the only two we're we're introduced to, those two powers. We see so little of this world, and I want to see so much of it. I see so much more. I want Um, a full trilogy in this world, because it's so... Uh, it's got a lot of richness, a lot of depth. The character six of the dusk is, um, I don't know. You just very really like him. Yeah. He's really interesting. Even though he's compassionate, but also, but like, he's so rough like so a ranger rough. should be because he never has human interaction. Yeah. Uh, and then I love looking at, um, the night moths. Yeah. So this is the last bird and why birds are scary. According to Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> And praying for superpowers. And praying for superpowers. Why birds are scary. Uh, hashtag. So the night moths are the largest animal on Patchy. They're the apex predator. They're a flightless bird who, based on the uh, based on the draw, not there's no drawings, but based on the examples and dimensions given, using a beak the size of a door. As our launching point, <laughs> we can assume this ostrich-like featherless bird is at least 25 feet tall. We're literally talking about a dinosaur. Uh, it's, it is, and that's the point. It's a, it's a dinosaur with a beak, no feathers. It's, I mean, it is a dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's terrifying. It's and like they get they they can sense your mind and they have a great sense of smell. They're getting smarter. They're as like time raptors, on. yeah, but bigger, bigger, and with beaks instead of. And you know they probably won't change as much as they did in Jurassic Park from <laughs> movie to movie. Right, <laughs> exactly. They won't change in size and shape and color and wisdom and all that. <laughs> yeah, um, and then uh, yeah, so that's just terrifying to me. Uh, What's really cool about this book is that they haven't they have guns. They've yeah. just invented cannons, right? So she has a hand cannon. It's very much around the piratey time. Yeah, which is like add that element to what you've already heard. It's so cool. It just gets better. Um, we're assuming you've already read this because you're a fan of the Cosmere, but if not, definitely give this book a listen. Oh yeah, uh, it's really enjoyable. I. Um, Basically, we're gonna we're gonna spoil the ending. It's a sixty-page book. Spoilers. Um, basically, what happens is 
Sack sees Dusk's death in a million different places. He sees his dead body literally everywhere, piled up in the corner, it says. And so he shows that. He gives Sack to Vaddy, and she sees it. And basically what they figure out is the machine that the ones above have given them is going to end their world. And to them, what it is, is it's just a map. It just maps the island for them. That's all the machine does. But what it actually does is it lets the ones above come to the planet earlier than the planet is ready for. So their rules are, they have to be technologically advanced enough so that we're not like wrecking their civilization when we arrive. It's the prime directive. Yeah, yeah, Star Trek prime directive. Uh, but if you give them technology and rules on how to understand it, then they'll advance way faster. It's in, a cheat. It's a cheat. In one area, they'll grow so fast and so quickly that suddenly, without the weapon or defense capabilities, they will be ready to be invaded. And so... Basically, Sanderson writes a sick, he writes a teaser trailer of why it's super terrifying to, to be, to be the local on a planet that's being invaded by aliens. However, I have no doubt that Six of the Dust could take out any Mistborn. I know. I just, I believe that it could happen if he had enough time. It's kind of a whole debate of like, who would win, Batman or... Superman? Superman or Because Superman's so smart. Yeah. Or Batman's if, so smart that he'd plan ahead. If Batman has any time to plan, Batman's going to win every time. If he doesn't, Superman's going to win every time. Right. But even like, I mean, the comic strip where Batman's just like, it doesn't do anything to me. I just ingest a little bit of liquid kryptonia, uh, kryptonite into me every day. <laughs> and then if Superman punts me into the sun, I'll just become, it'll become an irradiator of of kryptonite and it'll just melt Superman. Just kill him. <laughs> and like, that's the thing. And it's just like, he's probably just already has the plan in place. He probably has kryptonite in his belt that's in like a lead little case. Probably. I mean, it's Batman. It's Batman. It's Batman. So I'm pretty sure his belt is a dimensional hole. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> if, yeah, so what we're it's saying. It's a pin pocket. There you go. I'm pulling from different It's the TARDIS now. in yeah. a pocket. There you go. Well, three different. Mary Poppins bag. Uh, if we have not Given you enough reason to go out and buy Brandon Sanderson's book, Ars Arcanum. Arcanum Unbounded. Arcanum Unbounded. Thank you. Ars Arcanum is the end of book details. Yeah. Yeah. Go do it. It is awesome. If you want to get into Sanderson, but you don't have enough time to read 700 pages, because realistically, who does? Um, I mean, we make time for it somehow. <laughs> yeah. There, there, he has, the Arcanum Unbounded is a collection of short stories. Some of them you can't read without reading others. Yeah. So we would suggest The Emperor's Soul uh, would be a good a good starting point. It's like 99 pages or something. Yeah. Uh, real real good. It's a good novella. Yeah. Um, and then this is the last thing. Uh, Ars Arcanum is at the end of each book in the Cosmere. And it gives you details on the planet and the story that's been happening. Don't skip that. It's not an appendix. It's not the Lord of the Rings appendices yeah. where you can just read out, like, you just don't have to read it because it's just more details. It is actually a character in the universe uh, writing her notes on the planets she's visited. Uh, so there's some Easter eggs in there. And be wary, those of you who are trusting it with your whole heart, Sanderson loves using imperfect narrators. He said so in uh, in one of his December releases of writing excuses. So imperfect narrator, as someone who seems like it's the author of the book, would be something I would expect of him. Yeah. So 
Yeah, expect to be lied to, or at least deceived slightly, in a way that ends up being dramatic later on. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Praying for Superpowers <laughs> World Singer episode. We appreciate you. Check out our website, prayingforsuperpowers.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. We try to post pretty often, so keep an ear out. We like to do giveaways as well. Yeah, And uh, give some love to our uh, our sponsors, Petri's Family Games here in Colorado Springs. If you're here, go check them out. Check out the library. Uh, you'll see us at events occasionally. Bye. Catch, Catch you next time. time.